again, and welcome to the Portland General Baptist Youth Podcast. If you're new to our church, my name is Rory Anderson, and I'm the Youth Director at Portland General Baptist Church in Portland, Tennessee. I hope all of you are safe, healthy, socially distanced, and or quarantined if needed. We are currently posting all of our church's services online via our podcast, so be sure to stay to the end of this episode for information on how you can find more of our recordings. is part two of a two-part Easter special for the youth. In part one, we looked at Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 6, pointing out God's first act of mercy as recorded in Scripture. Today, we will go a few verses further to see a surprising foreshadowing. Hopefully, you have your Bibles in hand. So let's turn to Genesis chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, as we continue our study together. Today's lesson can be summed up in the word grace. Grace and mercy are similar, but they're not the same. Whereas mercy is withholding a punishment that you deserve, grace is giving a good thing that you don't deserve. Grace is unmerited favor. Grace is receiving a blessing or a gift that you did not earn. We're going to look at the first act of grace as recorded in Scripture. So if you have your Bibles, let's look at Genesis chapter 3 starting in verse 7. And if you'll recall from the last lesson, Adam and Eve had eaten the fruit that they were commanded not to, and uh, what happened? They died, right? Wrong. Adam and Eve didn't die. God said they were going to if they ate the fruit, and yet they didn't die, and that was God's first act of mercy. So the serpent has already deceived Adam and Eve. They've eaten the fruit. They didn't die. The eyes of both of them are now opened So chapter 3, starting in verse 7, we're actually going to read all the way to verse 21. Chapter 3, verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree, and I ate. 
And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. Then to Adam he said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it, cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life, both thorns and thistles, It shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. And Adam called his wife's name Eve, because she was the mother of all living. Also, for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. So, there's a whole bunch going on in chapter 3. We're really only going to look at one main part of this section that we just read, and I'm going to uh, also connect this with a passage in the New Testament here in just a few minutes. But uh, what we're looking at following the first act of mercy, where God did not strike down Adam and Eve for their sin is something that a lot of people overlook. And there's actually kind of a hint in verse 7. See, Adam and Eve, when they realized that both of them were naked after their eyes were opened, they realized what they had done. What did they do? The first thing they did was they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. What is so significant about this? Well, they realized their sin. They understood their sin immediately. And their first desire was to not be found out. Their first desire, their first want was to just cover it all up and act like nothing happened. We do that all the time, even today. Uh, Anytime that we mess up, we always try to make sure nobody finds out about it. It doesn't matter if it's like a simple mistake or or if it's an actual legitimate sin. You don't want to be seen for your sins. Nobody really wants to be seen for their sins. At least nobody that would call themselves a believer (laughs) wants to be seen for their sins. Uh, Many times the world, uh, they like to parade in their pride, they like to parade around in their sin and uh, flaunt it and taunt other people with the, the sinful, wicked, vile things that they do. But those who know better want to cover it up. They want to just go ahead, act like nothing ever happened, and move on. And, and there's kind of a word there um, that a lot of people don't really consider anymore. That word shame. Adam and Eve exhibited shame here. They had great regret. They had a great remorse for what they had done. They were shameful and they realized 
the extent of their sin. So they decided to try and cover it up. They tried to cover up their shame by making their own clothing. Again, we do this kind of thing all the time. We are ashamed of our sins. We're ashamed of the acts that we commit, so we try to cover it up. We don't want anybody else to see. And, of course, in verse 8, they hear God walking through the garden, and so they hide. So, for one, they're already covered, right? So, shouldn't that be enough? I mean, if, if, if they want to just cover up their shame, all they have to do is just put on those clothes and, hey, they're not naked anymore. No big deal. But Adam and Eve, when they hear God going through the garden, which that's a topic for another time, God walking through the garden and they hear him, <laughs> what exactly does that mean? But anyway, they hear God walking through the garden, uh, or they hear the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden, and they hide themselves from the presence of God. Uh, we we uh, I, I'm going to relate this to us quite often, but we do that all the time. Some of us, some of us uh, are are we're afraid that you know even though we've sinned, we know that we need forgiveness. We know that we need the grace of God to to cover our sins, and we need all of that wiped away. We're still afraid to go to Him. It's kind of a bizarre thing that happens where we realize the need for forgiveness and yet we're too afraid to go to God for that forgiveness. It's, it's, it, but it turns out that this has been happening since the very beginning of humanity. They realize their shame. They try to cover themselves up. Uh, they hear God and then they hide from him. And of course, God calls out to Adam and said, where are you? Adam responds, I hear your voice in the garden and I was afraid, so I hid myself. Why would Adam and Eve be afraid of God? Well, we we know the answer. They knew the answer. It was because they knew that they had sinned. And yet, they were still afraid of God, knowing He was the only one that could forgive them. And God confronts Adam and Eve. Who told you that you were naked? Uh, did you eat from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? And Adam, of course, is like, well... He doesn't say yes. When God confronts Adam about eating the fruit, he says, Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you not eat? That's in verse 11. And Adam doesn't respond with a yes or a no. Or even a, well, kind of. Adam's response is, The woman whom you gave to be with me. He immediately starts with blaming somebody else. As if Adam had no choice in the matter, when in reality Adam had every choice in the matter. Instead, Adam blames the woman, so God turns to the woman. What is this you have done? The woman, Eve, she doesn't say, oh, well, I ate the fruit and then I gave it to Adam. But she doesn't say she didn't eat it either. She does the same thing that Adam does. She turns and says, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So nobody is even really denying what they did. They're just trying to shift the blame, trying to trying to weasel their way out of the situation that they're in. I know I have done that many times. If I'm, uh, you know, if if I 
am going too fast I, while I'm driving. I always try to justify it in my mind. Well, you know, the person that I had to go around was going too slow, and therefore they made me a little late, or you know, just something stupid like that. We, we always try to shift the blame because nobody wants to be guilty of anything, even if it's something teeny tiny. Uh, nobody wants to be guilty of anything. We, we always want to be... Uh, proud of ourselves for doing a great job. We always want to be on top of everybody else, you know. But our shifting of the blame is nothing new. Well, a lot of what we see in, in Genesis chapter 3 really is just the same thing that humanity's always done. This is just the first record of it. This is the very first account of anything happening like this. Humanity understands what they've done, they're ashamed of it, they try to cover it up themselves, they try to do what they can to get rid of that sin, and it's and it's just simply not working out, because God knows what's going on. Uh, you know, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded? God's already aware of what's going on. And so the next several verses in, in verses 14 through uh, 19 uh, basically is God, one by one, from the serpent, to the woman, to Adam, cursing them individually, and then cursing all of creation because of their sin. And uh, I'm not going to get into all of the curses and everything this this lesson, um, but it is it is good to kind of look at um, those curses individually for each of those those three people in Genesis. Um, but but we're not going to focus on the curses. Uh, what we do need to see here in, in this part of Genesis chapter 3 is that Adam and Eve realize their sin. They think, well, as long as I make these fig coverings, it'll be fine, right? I can do this. This is my work. This is my act. I've got this covered. And yet, God calls them out, right? But I want to point something out that is very frequently overlooked in Genesis chapter 3. If you'll recall to the last lesson, the first thing that's overlooked many times, even by adults uh, reading through chapter 3, is that Adam and Eve did not die. Now, we, we know that they didn't die simply because... Um, you know, in the, back of our, in the backs of our minds, we... we we know they didn't die because they continued living after it, but we don't really think about that. We don't really point that out to ourselves or really to anybody else that God said they were going to die, and yet when they ate the fruit, they didn't die. That's the first thing that's typically overlooked in chapter 3. The second thing that's overlooked in chapter 3 is what happens in verse 21. And it says, Also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Why is that so significant? And and why am I pointing that out saying that that's overlooked? We we read that at the beginning of the lesson, but what 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 does this mean? Like what why is this important for us to to know? Why should we be pointing this out? Well, look in look at chapter 3 verse 7. It says then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Whenever we sin, we always try to cover it up ourselves. We always think, our, our first inclination, our nature, is to try to perform some sort so, Our nature is to perform some sort of good deed or good righteous act 
so we can cover up or make up for a sin that we committed. A lot of times we try to, um, like, like if you lie to your parents, you know, you might want, you might try to start taking out the trash without being asked. Um, you might try to do some yard work without being asked. You want to try to make up for the wrong that you did to your parents. Well, that's the exact same thing that Adam and Eve are doing. They're, they know they're naked. They have realized their sin, and so they try to cover up their sin on their own. They try to work with their own hands and make these leaf coverings to cover up their sins. And the reason why verse 21 is so significant is because Adam and Eve's fig leaf coverings were not enough. How do we know that's not enough? They were wearing them, right? God cursed the serpent, he cursed Adam, he cursed Eve. All of creation now begins this downward spiral into chaos. We call this the fall. And it could have been left at that. And yet in verse 21 of chapter 3, we see that God makes tunics of skin and clothes Adam and Eve. The reason why God clothes Adam and Eve is because the work that Adam and Eve tried to do on their own to cover up their sins was not enough. The wages of sin is death. When we sin, we earn death for ourselves. That is the only thing that can satisfy the penalty of sin. When Adam and Eve made the fig leaf coverings to cover up their nakedness, no blood was shed. But there had to be a life given in place of them if they weren't going to die. So what happened? God made the very first sacrifice as recorded in Scripture. God slayed some animals, at least one animal, obviously, and made clothing out of skin for Adam and Eve. And he gave clothing to them. Adam and Eve's clothing was not enough to cover up their sins. It took an act of God to sufficiently cover their sins. I want to point your attention to a passage in Romans chapter 5. This is one of my favorite passages in Scripture. Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. Paul, the Apostle Paul, the writer of Romans, uh, goes throughout all of Romans and gives a very detailed, um, systematic approach to the theology of Scripture. And here in chapter 5, verse 12, he starts to address the sin of Adam and compares Adam to somebody else. And if you recall in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, when God made the sacrifice himself, that's a foreshadowing of something else to happen in Scripture. So I'm going to read through Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 12. We're going to go all the way to verse 21. So verse 
verse 12 of chapter 5. Therefore, this is Paul, just as through one man, Adam, sin entered the world, and death through sin, and thus death spread to all men, because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who was a type of him. Some verse, uh, some versions of scripture have him capitalized with an H, uh, capital H, who was a type of him who was to come. Verse 15, but the free gift is not like the offense. For if by the one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, abounded to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For the judgment which came from one offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by the one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who received uh, who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man, capital M, one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace abounded much more, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Now, that's a lot of words. And if you're not following along uh, with your own Bible, that's kind of hard to keep up with. Paul writes very, 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 very long sentences. Um, and, and sometimes it can be a bit of a challenge to read. Um, but fortunately, we, we are given a copy of Scripture and we can read it as many times as we need to. Um, you know, we don't have to, we don't only get one chance to read it. We can keep reading it so that we can fully understand and fully comprehend. But basically, what Paul is saying here is that through Adam sin entered the world and because of sin we now have death just as though just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin because of adam's sin everything is in a fallen state what paul is saying is through adam sin and death entered but there's someone else who is providing life if you go back to verse 18 of chapter 5 in Romans, it says, Therefore, as through one man's offense, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Paul is saying, although Adam brought sin and death into the world, Jesus Christ brings life. The first Adam failed as our representative of humanity. Where Adam failed, Jesus Christ succeeds. For as by one man's disobedience, or Adam's disobedience, many were made sinners. Because of Adam's disobedience, because of Adam's sin, we are all 
affected and now have a sin nature. For as by Adam's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by Jesus' obedience many will be made righteous. So let's compare Adam and Jesus in Romans chapter 5 back to what's happening in Genesis chapter 3. Adam sins, brings sin and death into the world, into creation. Adam and Eve try to make their own coverings. They try to make their own way to righteousness. And God sees that they've tried to make their own way to righteousness. And it is simply not enough. So what does God do? He provides the sacrifice himself. He slays the animals, makes them clothing out of animal skin, spilling blood, shedding blood, shedding a blood sacrifice to cover the sin of Adam and Eve because Adam and Eve's work was not sufficient. Adam and Eve's attempt at becoming righteous was simply not going to get them anywhere. In the same way that God had to sacrifice animals to provide a sufficient covering for Adam and Eve, God sent Christ to be all of humanity's sufficient covering for their sin. We are not capable of providing a forgiveness on our own. We are not capable of providing a sufficient sacrifice on our own. Whether, Even if Adam and Eve made clothing out of animal skins, that was not going to save them. Scripture is clear about the animal sacrifices. Those animal sacrifices are not designed to save anybody. Only one sacrifice can save anybody, and that sacrifice is the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Only his sacrifice is sufficient to cover our sins. But the point of going through this section of Genesis chapter 3 is to point out that we constantly overlook what's important in Scripture, and that is that God's provisions are enough for us. Only God can provide exactly what we need. Only God can provide it. Only God's provisions are, are sufficient for us. And Genesis chapter 3, the very beginning of Scripture, points that out from the get-go. Our work is nothing. Our attempts at gaining righteousness, our, our attempts at trying to appease God and, and, and seek forgiveness on our own terms is simply not enough. God had to provide the sacrifice if we were going to be forgiven. And that sacrifice is Jesus Christ. You know, I said at the beginning that this, that this lesson could be summed up in one word, that one word being grace. And really it can be, because when God sent Christ to, to suffer and die in our place and, and to be the sacrifice for our sins... That really is grace. That is God giving us something that we don't deserve. It was unmerited favor that God gave to us, or unmerited favor that God had for us. We did nothing to earn it. We did nothing to win God's favor. We did nothing uh, to to make him like us. There is, uh, there is nothing significant about us in and of ourselves, but God loves us in loves us anyway that he suffered the punishment for us let me let me make it a little bit more personal even though you sinned even though you can't do anything to win god's favor god still 
loved you as an individual. Not because you did anything special, but because that's who God is. And because He loves you so much that He suffered the punishment that you deserve. He enacted mercy by withholding the punishment that you deserve and instead gave you grace by giving you an opportunity at life, a life that you don't deserve. And how how do you obtain that life? If you're listening today and you are not saved, um, how do you become saved? Well, how do you become saved? It's not obviously by doing anything uh, because our works are meaningless in the greater scheme of things. Salvation comes by faith alone. We are, we are called to repentance of our sins. Repentance is a turning away from our sinful lifestyle. We are sinful by nature. None of us are good. No, not one. Um, humanity is not fundamentally good, and we make mistakes. So humanity is fundamentally evil. Humanity is fundamentally sinful, and we have to uh, repent of those sins. In fact, Jesus Christ himself, the very first words that he speaks <clears throat> in, uh, in the Gospel of Mark is in uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 15, when Jesus says, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. We are called to repent of our sins and put our faith, put our trust, our hope of salvation in the one who provides that salvation. And the one who provides salvation is Jesus Christ. So we repent and put our faith and trust and hope in the Lord. Um, there is no special prayer. Uh, there is no special person that you have to talk to. If you repent of your sins right now and put your faith in the Lord, you're saved. Um, that's it. It is as simple as that. Um, scripture is very clear about salvation. Um, God does not hear the prayer of an unrepentant sinner, uh, but in John, in the in the first John chapter one verse nine, if you confess your sins to God, He is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins, uh, and that goes for everybody. Uh, we must first understand that we are sinners in need of a Savior, in need of salvation, and uh, and that only God can provide that salvation for us. So we repent of our sins and we put our faith and trust in the Lord. I hope that this has been a blessing to you. I hope this has been beneficial and, and eye-opening for you. And that this is going to challenge you to read through Scripture and uh, see what other things that you're missing. You would be very surprised at the things that you would find in Scripture if we would only simply read. I hope you enjoyed this lesson, Brother Larry Treadway's Sunday morning sermons, Dr. Rich Roberts' Sunday school lessons, and my youth lessons will continue to be posted weekly to our podcast feed on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms, as well as on our website at www.portlandgbc.org. That's www.port. L-A-N-D-G-B-C dot O-R-G.
In the meantime, stay safe and may God bless you.